I am Elle Penelope, author of Epic Fantasy and Paranormal Romance, and welcome to My Imaginary Friends, a look behind the scenes of an author mapping the worlds in my head and making them a reality. Hello, friends. Today is Saturday, February 12th, 2022, and this is episode 158 of My Imaginary Friends. I'm Leslie. So this week's best thing is that I finished the proposal for the 1830s project. I'm so relieved. This week was all about finishing energy. That's something that Joanna Penn, a podcaster and author, talks about. And I don't know exactly what she means by it. I talk to my friends about finishing energy. I think everybody sort of has a different definition. Um, but for me, I think finishing energy is when you're wrapping up and you're you're putting a bow on everything. You're trying to do those final checks to make sure the product that you're sending out is you know, polished and the best that it can be. So for the 1830s project, um, I ended up giving them about 80 pages. They had wanted about 100. And at 80, I was just like, I have to move on. Um, It's basically the first act. It feels like it's a little short for the first act, but my first drafts are always short. And, you know, we sell it to a publisher, I'll get an editor, I'll get editorial feedback, hopefully, and uh, be able to revise when that comes. That's down the line. But for me, I had to finish those those first chapters and then the revision of the synopsis because whenever I start writing, my synopsis changes. You know, I, I'm a plotter, so I always come up with a, a synopsis. And this one for this project was about 10 pages. That's single-spaced with paragraph breaks. So uh, spaces between the paragraphs as opposed to indented. It makes a difference. I, I like precision in these things. But... um. 10 page single space uh, synopsis. And of course, when I went to write the actual chapters, I was like, oh, well, this is out of order and this needs to happen here. I can cut that. And I made some discoveries and things that happen when you actually start writing because, you know, I plan the synopses as carefully as possible, but they're never the thing that I actually write. (laughs) They're just the guidepost. So I updated it to match what I'd actually written for the first act and then, you know, changed the rest of it to correspond to the things that I discovered while writing the first act. And then it was a matter of running it through ProWritingAid. I ran all the chapters through and the synopsis. And ProWritingAid is a software. It's sort of like Grammarly or Autocrit. There are several of these on the market. I happen to use ProWritingAid and it it serves as like an, an AI kind of editor. So it will check my grammar. It tells me about comma splices, probably not all of them because, well, I don't think I I had this notorious comma splice situation with the Monsters We Defy where the copy editor kind of just put a note and was like, I am going to mark these and you can do with them what you will. And I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't get those. So usually I don't run every book, the entire book through prior writing, although it's something that I could and should do. It's just time consuming. Um, but the, it runs different reports. So it tells you about grammar, spelling, um, overused words, echoes, which I actually hadn't had turned on. And I have a big problem with echoes. Echoes are when you repeat words. Like I was doing the um, first pass pages for the Monsters We Defy, the, the proofing. And there was one paragraph where I used the word, I think it was street, literally six times in the same paragraph. Now this book has been through copy edits, obviously, but the human mind sort of sees things and doesn't recognize them the more that you read it. Like there's some kind of research about that. 
And, you know, the copy editor is not going to flag everything. So that's what a proofread is for. And with that book and the proofread, since I'm so far away from the last time I read it, and I'm reading very carefully, I, I noticed more of them. So a lot of that proofread was changing, these echoes. But Pro Writing Aid will show you the echoes. It shows every word. It's not smart enough to understand like was, had, you know, I in a first person words that are normally common. So you do have to read through it carefully. Um, the way I usually use Pro Writing Aid is just scan through. It'll underline in different colors the different things that it finds. And then you hover over it and it gives you you know, a suggestion. It knows that it's not that smart. So it's like, this is a potential comma splay. Sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong. And there's different reports that you can turn on. So I had like just the default on. That's what I usually have usually, that's what I've usually been using. But I, I came across something and I was like, oh, there are a lot of settings that I'm not using in this program. So I did some customizing and I turned it on and it showed me all kinds of stuff. And I was like, oh, this is going to take hours. I don't have that much time to do the full deep report that it gives you. So I turn that back off. I'll have to find a happy medium. I do recognize that from now on, I have to be really careful about echoes because I'll use the same, like a unique word twice in two sentences and have no idea I've done it. And I'll read it over many times and still not recognize it. And so I'm sure there are plenty of published books of mine that have that in them because I just, I don't catch it. Copy editors don't catch it or Sometimes I feel like they see something, but they don't know whether you meant to do it or not. And a lot of copy editors try not to be too intrusive. I mean, there are those who are very intrusive and those who are less intrusive. And it's all about style. I ran the synopsis and the first chapters through various levels of pro writing aid. And that's part of the finishing energy where I'm, you know, trying to make it as grammatically correct as possible and reading through it again. I realized I had to read through the prologue again because I hadn't for some reason. And then formatting, bringing it out of Scrivener, making sure the formatting is right. The headers, the footers, you know, um, the program of Scrivener does a lot. But for me, compiling and formatting is always, I still always have to double check it because it's always a little bit different. And I don't know exactly why. Like I change things in the structure of the document sometimes. And uh, I have templates, I have things that make it easier, but I it, it inevitably takes me at least an hour to compile anything for the last time out of Scrivener in the way that I want it to be. Part of the finishing energy, and then finally crafting the email that I'm going to send with the proposal and um, actually pressing send. So that was really, it felt really good to do that, to get that off my plate. Um, and last night I finished the past pages for the Monsters Redefy. So I just have to um, enter those into the PDF. For my first book, for Song of Blood and Stone, my first traditionally published book that I had to do past pages, they actually sent me a, the printed out pages. And uh, I made the corrections by hand and then scanned in the pages that needed, that had changes and sent them. Since then, it's been PDF. I do know some people at other publishers are still getting printed past pages. I, I don't mind the PDF. Um, so I do that final review on my Remarkable tablet. I have an iPad also, but the Remarkable is just better for me. It's better for my eyes since it's the, um, what's it called? Since it's the e-ink, you know, reading a, a long book on an iPad is, it causes a lot of eye strain for me. 
So my remarkable tablet, um, I just go through the PDF, I make the changes, I you know write right on it like I would with paper, and then the next step will be to import that back into the computer and then sort of page through each page of the PDF for my remarkable, and then in Adobe Acrobat actually type in the changes using their annotation feature. So I will do that tomorrow or Monday and then send that off and two big things done. So now it's like, what's next? I mentioned last week that I was thinking of taking a break. I'm still thinking about that. And by a break, I mean, it doesn't mean don't do anything writing related. I still have a lot of marketing to do for Savage City. I still have to plot Savage City part two so because I have to write that this year. Um, coming up shortly, the first draft. I still have research I need to do for the Orbit book too. I have some books that I bought that I have not even cracked open yet for background research about certain specific areas that I need to know more about before I start writing that book. And that first draft has to happen soon. So those are two things that aren't writing. I mean, plotting is still that mental energy. Research is less so. But I'd mentioned taking a class or like going through some of the online classes that I've bought. I haven't decided yet. I guess it'll it'll depend on how I feel when I wake up Monday morning and sit down and come to my my writing time, my scheduled writing time. What do I feel like doing? I'm I'm not going to skip the scheduled writing time because obviously I still have plenty of tasks to do. It's just what am I going to fill it with that can be a mental break from the intensity of revising part of a manuscript, of even proofreading, is a lot of intensity attached to it. And I try to give myself a little bit of a mental break because I do feel like I've been going so hard for several months since the end of last year, doing so much and tired. But I still have a lot left to do this year. I was looking at my schedule that I made for the year, my writing schedule, which is, of course, is already blown. So I originally planned to have finished the um, 1830s project proposal by the end of January, and February was going to be the fast draft of Orbit Book 2. And then March was supposed to be the fast draft of Savage City 2. So I guess I'm about a month behind. Now I build these schedules with hopefully lots of breathing room and, and space because I knew when I made it that I was going to fall behind. But it was like ideal. And it gives me an idea of what what needs to happen in big chunks. You know, like whenever I do these first drafts, I'll have to be revising Orbit Book 2. Spring, early summer, I will have to be revising Savage City 2 by midsummer, late summer in order to meet the publication goals and all of that stuff. So yeah, it's a good guideline, even though it's wrong. But I'm not going to worry too much about rescheduling until I get some feedback from external sources about where things stand, where my new deadlines are, and all that stuff. So yeah, it's a good time to rest. In publishing news, the word came out this past week that Draft Digital bought Smashwords. So these are two aggregators, which are how when you self-publish, you get your book into various bookstores. Um, I use Draft Digital to get to Apple. For some books, I use it for Barnes & Noble. I just recently created my own Barnes & Noble publishing account. But yeah, then there's other kinds of bookstores that are much harder to get into, like 
in other places around the world, and then libraries. So Smashwords was the OG in this space. They were the original uh, aggregator. A lot of people who've been publishing since the beginning, since Kindle started, use Smashwords. And I never did because they had notoriously difficult formatting requirements that I never felt to like dealing with. And so, but they have, um, I guess they have some advantages that Draft Digital noted in their um, press release. So this was like a surprise. I, I figured it should have happened. It makes a lot. It makes a lot of sense, but there was no whispering ahead of time. I don't know. Maybe there was. I'm not in the circles where that would have been, where I would have heard such things. But yeah, I was really surprised to see that. I think it's a good idea. I mean, it makes sense to me. I've been happy with Draft Digital, and um, I really enjoy using them. Their interface is not the best design, but it's much better than Smashwords. You know. Neither of them are like slick and glossy designs in terms of the graphical user interface, which is a thing I only care about because I make websites for a living. There are some services that I just cringe at using because of their GUI. That's a graphical user interface. Like BookBrush. I use BookBrush, which is a service to create mock-ups of your book covers, and you can make ads and banners and things like that. It's really useful. It fills a space that Canva uh, doesn't quite fill. But their interface, it's gotten better, but it's still terrible. Like, very bad. Um, and for a while, I didn't, I refused to pay for BookBrush because I was like, I'm not paying for something that looks this bad, that is this non-intuitive. Like, even, I, I use it a lot and I still stutter every time because the lack of intuitiveness of its interface. Again, things that maybe other people don't care about. Or maybe because I do this for a living, some things are harder for me. You know, I can't use iMovie because I came up using Final Cut Pro, which I don't actually use anymore anyway, but iMovie never made sense to me. And I used to have to teach iMovie when I worked at Johns Hopkins University. I was teaching video editing. So I had to learn it, but it was always a struggle because it never made any sense to me. Premiere, Avid, Final Cut Pro, or other video editors that I used. Um, I used to be a assistant video editor and using Avid way back in the day. And I edited my whole documentary and all my short films on Final Cut Pro before the great feature reduction of 2000 whatever. But I digress. Like, I really digress because I have no idea where I was going with that. So it's probably a good time for me to call it quits. Uh, I think I'm still in the finishing energy. I haven't decided what I'm doing next week. I don't have any goals for the week yet. And that's in and of itself a mental break. So to sort of be like, I'll just see where the week takes me. I have some marketing goals that I need to flesh out. But goal for next week, take a break, do some things, but not having any pressure attached to it and, you know, get myself together for the future. The February sale is still on. If you are interested in reading some of my backlist self-published eBooks, you can get them for 50% off at my online store with the code Valentine22. And um, so I started publicizing that. We'll see how that goes. Savage City is on pre-order. The Monsters We Defy is on pre-order. The Fairy Tale Anthology, Once Upon a Forbidden Desire, is on pre-order. That's made it to be a um, number one new release in whatever category it's in. So that's actually doing really well. It's 99 cents for a limited time, and 
I sent that to the proofreader, more finishing energy this week because it had been edited. Yeah, I've forgotten all the finish of the things I finished this week. I, I really should make sure that I, I celebrate the wins more because I'm, I'm not the best at doing that. I hope that you have a wonderful week and I will talk to you next week and happy Valentine's Day. For episode show notes and to sign up for the Footnotes newsletter and get the show notes in your inbox, go to myimaginaryfriendsshow.com. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and watch the video episodes on YouTube. You can email me at podcast at lpenelope.com. I would really appreciate a rating or review to help support the show. And My Imaginary Friends is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. For more fantastic podcasts, go to frolic.media slash podcast.